Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Hello and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. My name is Rebecca, the creator and host of this controversial yet very important podcast. Um, Received a couple of uh, emails this week. Um, One of them was from a gentleman who I could tell was really struggling with infidelity that his, his wife had been unfaithful and he really tried listening to the show. I know he tried, um, but he just was not getting out of it uh, what he needed. You know, it it was like he was um, looking for happy endings at the end of the stories. and, And I did reply and let him know, you know what, this is real. This is the raw truth. It's not a podcast about um, hey, this person did this, and we lived happily ever after. It is this person did this, these were the consequences, this is how this person is feeling, and that is that. And so I suggested that he find um, some infidelity recovery podcast that might, or, you know, a therapist or coach, you know, that might be able to help him get on track. But it made me so sad, because, you know, it was obvious that this person was hurting. Um, And so I appreciate him giving it a try and, and wish him the best of luck. And then I get an email from a lady, well, I got a couple of them, but one in particular that just said that she was so happy the podcast was doing well, and she had come across it and it had just been helpful to her. And she's been considering submitting a story, uh, but she's still on the fence. But it just has been helpful. And I hear that over and over again. So I know that I'm doing something right when I'm hearing the women who have felt um, or currently feel like I used to feel. And I just know that I'm, it's a good feeling. Let me just put it that way. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelity, but what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. We married on November 24, 2001. Six months later, during the same two-week period that we were creating our youngest son, She had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. 
She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair, or being the other woman or other man, subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelities Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. So I'm not sure if this is going to come out sounding funny on this episode. What happened was I wanted to get a new desk because what I was using currently in my office was a, you know, craft type table or, you know, like um, one of those long eight foot tables that fold in half from a bazaar kind of a thing. And that's what I was using. But I needed to kind of modify my setup. Um, to where my computer wasn't right in front of me, but was to the side of me and I wanted to get a corner desk. Well, I found this great one, decent price, like 65 bucks used. It's glass, it's cute, you know, and gutted the office area. I had to get storage for all my uh, crafting crap that I have and all these things. And I get it all set up and I go to sit down tonight to record and I get this horrible hum. And I'm thinking, what is it? Maybe it's this little extra piece of metal that I had on my mic stand um, that has kind of a sound barrier type of thing behind it. Talking to um, my my podcast coach and he says, okay, yeah, let's take that off. And I would move the microphone away from the table as I would turn to my laptop and it would go away, you know, and at the same time, I'm plugging it in here, plugging it in there, trying to do it. Well, basically, I realized there is something in this glass desk that's causing major interference, and it is the worst hum. So right now, I am sitting cross-legged on the floor of my office with my head down a little bit towards the microphone and uh, my laptop on the floor. And that is how we're going to run today's episode and probably this week's uh, or the next uh, Patreon because I'm going to get that recorded. I am going to go ahead and get started with today's story because... I have bitched and moaned enough about my setup, and you guys are here to hear a story, not to listen to me complain, but I apologize in advance if my voice sounds a little funny, and uh, that's just because I'm at a different angle, and, um, you know, it doesn't sound as good as it usually does. It will be back. I will find a way, God willing. So today we're going to talk about Nellie, and Nellie... I believe her and I connected on a group, on a relationship group, and um, she was kind enough. She actually wanted to send her story to me verbally, and so she did through the uh, WhatsApp app, and I um, had it, and I have a little tiny software on my phone that transcribed it. And then I had to listen to it again and just make sure she has an accent. So the transcribing didn't want to pick up everything. But to me, her story is heartbreaking. And uh, so I appreciate everybody tuning in today and listening to Nellie's story. Everything began December 26, 2016, when my father died from cancer. 
Prior to that, he had lost his job, so he wasn't able to go into a hospital or anything like that. I flew back to South Africa to help my mom and basically watched him die in bed. From there, I went back to Israel and was in a heavy depression for a few months, and I was also helping my mom financially. My mom couldn't stay in South Africa by herself, so we moved her to Thailand where my brother was living. We got her settled into an apartment there. My mom was very depressed and she was also suffering from a bipolar disorder, manic depression. She was only 49 years old and basically jumped off the building from her balcony, I believe from the 30th floor. She committed suicide on August 10th of 2017. Basically after that, my life spiraled out of control. I lived in Thailand from 2009 to 2014. That is where I met my husband. We moved back to Israel in 2014 because his father was dying from brain cancer and passed away just a couple of months after we arrived. People were just dying left and right and center. We actually got married at the end of 2014 in December, so let's go back to 2018. So my life spiraled out of control and I was really dealing with bad depression and I wasn't really thinking straight. We weren't having sex or anything like that and our relationship was horrible. We were living at his mother's house in a basement apartment while she lived upstairs. So there was the constant having the mother-in-law on our case and constantly saying things to him in Hebrew about how I wasn't doing this or I wasn't cleaning that and did you know that Nellie was doing this or Nellie did that. Needless to say, that interference added pressure as well. In 2019, I had to get my visa sorted while my passport had to be renewed, so I flew back to South Africa in March. It was also in March when I met the guy I had an affair with. We only kissed at first while I was there, but by the time I flew back to Israel, I felt that I had fallen in love with this other man. I was still talking to him after I came back and everything my husband found out. Instead of asking me what happened, he basically ran to his mom and told her that I had an affair instead of asking me, asking me what actually happened, when it was just a kiss, but truly it was an emotional affair. His mother decided to take it upon herself to call the lawyers, which we happen to have seven in the family, and of course, one of them happens to be a divorce lawyer, which was his aunt, so that was fun. <laughs> He didn't speak to me. He didn't consult with me about anything. He just ran straight to his mom. She called the lawyers, the entire family. I only found out that night when he came downstairs and basically told me we were getting a divorce. And I was like, what? You're not going to even discuss this with me? You're not going to try and talk to me and find anything out? And he was like, nope, nope, nope. I was in complete hysteria. I had no family in Israel. I have nothing. My parents died. My brother lives in Thailand. I have friends, but nothing like a support system. One day later, after he told me he was going to divorce me with his entire family there rooting for my demise, I remember we had an apartment together and that I also had signed a prenuptial before we had gotten married. Just my luck. Half of the apartment 
was in my name, and I was on the mortgage, and the other half was bought with money his family had given him. I told him that if he was going to do this, and I had no money, no stability, just stay married to me until I get my citizenship, and I will sign over my half of the apartment to you. No fuss, no nothing. Of course, he went and consulted his mommy, and both came downstairs and both agreed that is what they will do, but she still insisted I leave the country, so basically, she banished me. I had a choice between going to South Africa or to Thailand. The problem with going to Thailand is that I would have had to have paid for visas and all that stuff, so I decided to go back to South Africa because I didn't have to pay the visas. So about two weeks later, I was back on a plane and I happened to leave the day that my grandfather passed away. I had wanted to leave earlier, but they were too busy fussing around and fucking with the paperwork and going to the lawyers and then going to the courthouse. So anyway, here I am on a plane. Grandfather just died and I have nowhere else to go. I end up staying at that guy's house. He was renting a room at the time in South Africa. During the two and a half months we connected, of course, we slept together and all of that because at this point I was separated and no one gives a shit about me. But anyway, towards the end of the two and a half months, the guy I was having an affair with turned out to be about seven years younger than me and he was a woman beater. Of course, I didn't know that and only found out afterwards that he had a track record of beating women up and strangling them. So, the last two weeks of me staying in South Africa, he basically physically abused me, mentally abused me, and was a narcissist. How did I fuck up my life? Anyway, I came back to Israel on the 31st of July, and our appointment with the immigration was on the 13th of August. I get there and everything is okay until they realize I have been out of the country for now three and a half months consecutively, basically. So they're like, okay, but you now have to be in the country for a certain amount of time. So they ended up extending it from August of 2019 until January of 2020. So in those 10 months that I was living downstairs, I made another deal with him and his mom asking if I could just please stay there at the basement apartment. She tried to kick me out six times. My husband was living upstairs in the spare room and basically we lived separate lives. Once again, I was extremely depressed, extremely unhappy and felt as though I had no control over my own life. In those 10 months, they would have family dinners upstairs every other Friday, and I would sit downstairs and hear everyone laughing, drinking, having dinner. My husband would sneak me down a plate of food. I kind of felt like I was Cinderella in the basement, and it was really embarrassing. I felt really dehumanized in a lot of ways, and like I said, I had no other support system. I only had a brother on the phone and my best friend, which I could call and cry to. Many times I thought, just fuck this. The passport and citizenship is not worth all of this shit that is happening. I was a teacher at the time and I was working at a kindergarten back then. In December, I had a breakdown. And in January, I quit my job and applied for a new job in a high-tech company, basically in the stock market, and began my training at the beginning of February. It was at this point that my husband decided he wanted to give this another go, 
basically after torturing me for 10 months and pretending that I didn't exist or was even a human being. I said, okay, let's give it another go. At first I didn't want to, but then the whole COVID-19 happened and we were all in lockdown. Things sort of started getting better, but my stipulations were that I absolutely did not want to be a part of any family get-togethers or anything like that until we could see a marriage counselor and sort our own lives out first. When I asked him why he sent me away, he told me that he had no other choice in the matter and that it was all his mom. When I confronted her about it, she told me no, she didn't have anything to do with it and that it was all him. Honestly, I believe my husband because he's not the type of person to lie about something like that. Basically, she wanted me out and he told me he had no choice because we were living in his mom's house at the time, which I think is bullshit because he basically gave the reins to his mummy. The night he moved back downstairs with me, his dearest mother came running down the stairs and telling me, oh, you better look after my baby boy which ended turning into a big fight. I basically told her, how dare you? You got involved in a marriage that wasn't your own. She said yes, but that she was just protecting her son. So I told her, your son is not a baby anymore. You got involved in a marriage. You had control over my separation and my life. I had no control over my life and had no control over my marriage. I said to her that that was basically me marrying you. I felt in a way that she emasculated my husband in front of me by taking charge because I had asked him, why did you send me away? You didn't have to send me away. I'm your wife. He said he didn't see me as his wife back then. So there's a lot of issues we are still dealing with. We haven't seen a marriage counselor yet, but we did move out. That again was one of my stipulations. That was to leave mommy's little bosom and get a place of our own. I don't really speak to her and to be quite honest, I don't like her. She was saying horrible things about me behind my back, saying that I am a manipulator and that I manipulated him into coming back to me, which is not what happened. In fact, I told him that I didn't think this is such a good idea and that maybe we should just go our separate ways and stick to the deal we made. Apparently, I was never good enough for him. His entire family was saying shit like that behind my back at all the family dinners, and I think they thought I wasn't good enough for him as well. Just so much stuff. I mean, like, that I wanted to trick him into having a baby when in fact I told him that his mom told me that I should trick her son into having a baby. This was all before this other stuff had happened. My entire life, I am 34 years old, I want a husband to have a child with me. I will not force anybody to have a child with me. I will never blackmail anybody to have a child with me or fucking trick anybody to have a child with me. That's not how you bring a child into the world. I would never do that ever in my life. So, we are in our apartment now and I refuse to go to any family get-togethers. His mom's saying, now she's going to stop you from coming to family get-togethers? I turn around and tell him, you go alone. I'm not going. It took 10 fucking months for them to ostracize me and it'll take another 10 months for me to maybe forgive them for getting involved in my marriage. 
Like I said, I find it very hard right now to find my husband sexually attractive because I do feel like he is seen as a little baby boy because of how his mom took control over a very private matter, which was my marriage. I don't see him in the same way, and now with the whole immigration thing and COVID-19, everything's been pushed back, so until I feel like I'm secure and 100% in control of my life, then I will make a decision whether I will stay or go. Maybe just move on with my life and do whatever it takes to make me happy, but until then, I'm playing the good little girl. I'm just following whatever rules I need to and deciding what it is I want for a change. Because no matter what, he is still my husband. And yes, I did cheat by kissing the guy. I slept with that guy when we were separated, when I was banished, but nothing before that. Also, while we were living in Thailand during 2009 and 2014, we had an open relationship. He was turned on by me going out to parties and sleeping with guys, so there was never really a line when it came to that part of our life like our sexual relationship, and he didn't want to go out and do anything, but he wanted me to. It was always a very gray line for me, so I really didn't think of it as cheating because of how we were for so many years, like how our sexual relationship was. I never thought I was really doing anything wrong. So I did follow up with Nellie, letting her know that I was approaching the time of when her episode would be being released and asked her a couple of follow-up questions. I asked her, how are things going? Have there been any changes in your relationship with your husband? Also, if you wouldn't mind, I was wondering if you could share with me what happened to the guy in South Africa that was abusive. How did you get away from him? Did he get put in jail or anything like that? Or did you just escape uh, his abuse and get back to Israel? At that point, she sent me some of the photos that had been taken after he had been hurting her, showing the bruises all over her neck and her chest and her arms. So our conversation went like this. I, I told her, you know, uh, because she thought she had uh, got karma had got her good and she had learned her lesson. And I said... I don't think so. We sometimes fall into situations that we don't plan on happening. I think your situation is definitely unique with the mother-in-law, but karma, no, you didn't deserve to be physically abused in any way. Her reply was, thank you. For a long time I thought I did, but then I started doing more research into covert narcissism and a lot of things started to make sense. I was so trauma bonded that I had no idea what I was doing. And then my comment was, oh yes, especially when they turn around and blame you or make it as though you're crazy or something. It's a really unhealthy place to be. And exactly, they're able to manipulate you to a point where it's hard for you to see those lines clearly. She said, I paid for the abuser's ticket to Vietnam, his passport and gave him money. I was supposed to wait for my citizenship, get divorced, and go to Vietnam to meet him. And I said, oh, wow, I'm so glad you did not. We don't know what would have happened. And then she said, but instead everything got delayed and I found out he was already on his new supply using me and treating me like shit while I was being treated like shit by my husband's family at the same time. 
Then COVID happened and, well, it gave me time to assess my life. Then my husband wanted to try again and keep me in limbo for nearly a month. So he consulted with his mom and ta-da, he came downstairs with his bag. The mother-in-law came downstairs being all two-faced and nice five minutes after he decided. Uh, But while he was consulting with his mom, she told him I was manipulating him and that he shouldn't go back. How can I manipulate him if I didn't even know he was coming back to me? At that stage, I had already given up and was preparing for my future. But instead of letting me know he was coming back, he set his mom down, not me. It was a shock to me. We eventually moved out after I had a huge fight with her for all the shit she said behind my back and because she had a fanny wobble because one day I was off with her because I had just come back from the gynecologist and I had told her I might have issues with having kids because of my age but I wanted to keep it private. I was just off and while I was at work she ran downstairs saying I was rude and she is trying to write me off. So after a few days I let it rest and told her why none of her business, but yeah, I guess I just had had enough. We moved out in May and I told my husband I will not do any family dinners until we see a marriage counselor. And I asked her this, how are things with him directly now? It's been a few months since you guys have moved away from her house. Have you been able to continue working, still having time to yourself and see being respectful? She said, we haven't seen a marriage counselor, so... No, no dinners, a deal is a deal. His mom has sent me messages trying to guilt me to come, but I'm standing my ground. It's better because no more mommy chirping on his shoulder bitching about me. Now she says, you know, I'm still your mom. I told her, no, you're my husband's mom and you're and your daughter's mom, but you're not my mom. My mom would have never treated me like that. You're just my mother-in-law and that's okay. She says, I guess the only way to really heal and evolve is to break completely. And only then will you let go and basically give up and accept what is. That's when you truly realize what you're capable of. All my fear is that it happened, so I'm not so scared anymore. It's truly liberating knowing that I'm stronger than what I thought I was. Her story is certainly unique. Well, that's what I'll say there, because there's just so many different layers of, you know, flying to this country and this happening and dealing with different um, cultures, religions, and things like that. Um, If she's from South Africa originally, and she was trying to fit in in Israel in a Hebrew family, and all those different things, I can understand how that could be hard on a relationship. Um, but the main thing is, is that Nellie, you know what happened. You admit you take accountability for what happened in South Africa uh, the first time. And um, then you went back and were severely abused. And I'm so glad you're okay. I am so glad you were able to get away from him. And, you know, I'm happy to hear that you're trying with your husband. I know with COVID, things are just kind of stuck. Um, but I hope that whatever decision you and your husband make, that it's a healthy one for the two of you and that his mom will continue to stay away and quit meddling in your lives because no, you guys are not little kids. And I understand as a mom, you know, you want to always take care of your children, but 
there comes a time where you have to just sit back and say, hey, if you need anything, I'm here. But not stick your finger in everything, okay? That's just, that's got to be hard. And I know there's a lot of relationships out there that have the in-laws that are like that. So thank you so much for sharing this story. I appreciate it. And I would so love to be able to share your accent on here. She's got, guys, she's seriously, she's got a gorgeous accent, a voice, just beautiful. Um, But anyways, Nellie, thank you. And I wish you the best of luck. Please keep me posted. Um, Would love to know what the next step is once, you know, some time has gone by. And this brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you guys all for still listening to me, even though my voice, like I said, sounds funny as I'm sitting here on the floor with my bones aching, hunched over, trying to record. But you guys depend on me and I am not going to let you down. So even if it sounds funny for an episode or two, it's out. (laughs) If you have a story you would like to share, or um, if you have questions, feel free to email me rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. If um, you're a woman who has been unfaithful, your stories, you know, would mean a lot to so many people. If you're a man who's been dealing with his wife's infidelity, or if you've been unfaithful yourself, um, and you're interested in submitting a story, let me know. You can actually go to my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. And from there, you can actually choose um, on the menu to go and pick up the story guides. You can listen to episodes uh, on the website. You can vote for me because I'm always begging for you guys to remember me and, and keep me on the uh, Hot 50 podcast magazine countdown or Top 50, Hot 50. Uh, this month for November, I came in at 25. In October, I was 29. So... If you guys can continue voting, there's a place to go there. Um, A few people are sporting the uh, no judgment masks and um, they're available in white, dark gray and black. And I wore mine all day today while I was out and about. So that was cool. Um, Let's see. You can um, read my blog. I think I bring that up. I usually have a few things on there. Um, and you can submit your story and email me directly from there as well. Again, that's rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Until next time, please be kind to one another, respect one another's thoughts and opinions, be happy and healthy, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.